0: The Powers on Sports podcast is brought to you by Ticketsmarter.com, Titan Home Lending, Print and Marketing Solutions, and our real estate agent in the state of Florida, Star Alvarado. Enjoy the podcast. Larry Bird's not walking through that door. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. It's my team, it's my quarterback. The okay. kick. It is. Let's go, go, go! To beat the man, you gotta beat the man. The two one. Swung lane drive. Let's see. One run again. Can't come in. This is the Powers on Sports podcast. All right, welcome in, Powers on Sports podcast. I'm your host, Jason, down in Tampa. We have reached mid-October. We are about half. We are right at the halfway point of the college football season. Week six of the National Football League, Major League Baseball playoffs are are nearly at the AL and NLCS. Level when you're listening to this, we may have our fourth and final team in the AL and the excuse me, the NLCS. As Texas and Houston and Arizona have all advanced to the league championship series so far, and the NHL hockey season has started as well this week. So, a lot of stuff going on. The NBA is right around the corner, about two weeks away or so. The NBA will tip off, so lots of stuff on the sports docket. And we will give you all the news and notes that you need to know as we head through October into November. Halloween's a couple weeks away. Are you a Halloween guy or girl? Do you like to dress up? Do you have candy for the kiddos that come by your house? All those good things. I'm not a big Halloween costume person. Definitely will have some Halloween candy if some kids uh, come by the house. But. Not not the biggest Halloween costume person. I know that's a big thing for a lot of people. Is uh, I do like to go to a haunted house, though, if there's a haunted house in the area, something like that. I do like to do that kind of stuff, but as far as actually dressing up on Halloween, I can't say that's my favorite thing to do, but I know a lot of you guys out there love to do that stuff, so God bless you, and keep doing your thing, and... Come up with some more provocative and outlandish costumes and all that good stuff because I know it's a fun time for a lot of people. So, that's coming up here in a couple weeks too. So, uh, we have a, our guest today is Jim Levitt, former University of South Florida head football coach, all-time winningest coach in Bulls history. We're going to talk to Coach about just a kind of a mid-season synopsis of college football. We're going to talk about the epic Miami meltdown last week involving Mario Cristobal. He has some very personal experience with Coach Cristobal in a similar situation. Uh, so you'll love it. You'll, you'll enjoy that story. And we'll talk about uh, just the state of college football, where we're at and what teams and all that stuff that he, that he likes and things like that. So we'll have a good chat with Coach Levitt that you will enjoy. So before we get to Coach Levitt, remember you can find us on X and Twitter at JPO Sports. Uh, YouTube channel is Jason Powers Sports Channel. For the YouTube interviews, we'll have Coach Levitt's interview will be up as well. I also host a couple of other podcasts, the Florida Football Insiders Podcast, where we talk all things state of Florida college football, as well as the No Quarter Given Podcast, uh, where we talk all things Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I also co-host a radio show, uh, typically one day a week, on Wednesdays called The Press Box, so go to PressBoxRadio.com. Mike Grace and the guys do a great job every morning from 8 to 10 a.m. We're on about 20 stations around the southeast, so uh, the, the show is growing for sure. We had a great chat on Wednesday with me and Mike with Ian Eagle, CBS Sports, Voice of the Final Four, NFL, He's a big timer in the broadcasting profession. So, if you want to go to Press Box Radio and archive the Wednesday, uh, <coughs> excuse me, episode, we had Ian Eagle and T.J. Reeves on as well. So, um, awesome! It was an awesome show, two-hour show. So, definitely, if you if you like Ian Eagle and want to get some insight in the broadcasting world, uh, definitely check that out. So, all right, so let's get to some topics before we get to Coach Levin. Let's talk about a couple of. Uh, uh, sports figures that are facing some health challenges. Uh, if, if you didn't see Barry, Barry Melrose is retired, reti- just retired from ESPN. He he announced that he is uh, suffering from Parkinson's disease. So terrible uh, news there with with Melrose. Obviously the longtime analyst, uh, coach. He coached the Kings with Wayne Gretzky. He actually coached the Tampa Bay Lightning for a very short time, uh, numerous years ago. Uh, when they were under new ownership and they were going through some transition and then uh, it just didn't work out here in Tampa. He was only the coach for like 13 or 14 games, something like that, um, and then uh, was let go. So, But Barry Melrose, obviously, if you watch hockey at all, you know he's a tremendous uh, an analyst and uh, studio host. Uh, so shout-out to Barry Melrose. Also, shout-out to Mary Lou Retton. If you don't know who Mary Lou Retton is, she is a... <laughs> Gem from my younger days, 1984 Olympic uh, g- uh, gold medalist with the gymnastics uh, cover, cover of Wheaties, perfect ten, all that good stuff. 16 year old Mary Rhett in 1984, she was one of the first beauties of my youth that I uh, that I followed. Mary Lou is uh, in the hospital; she's got some pneumonia issues and sounds like it's pretty severe. And there's some questions about whether she's gonna get through so uh shout out to mary lou Retton, olympic gold medal she's only 55 years old uh which is even more challenging to 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 hear that so um but mary lou Retton, prayers out to barry lou and barry melrose uh for a speedy and long good recovery there so um Let's go to the major league. Uh, let's go to the ho- NHL hockey. Speaking of Barry Melrose, NHL hockey season kicked off on uh, Tuesday night. The Lightning kicked off. They had a triple header. Connor Bedard made his uh, debut with the Blackhawks. Um, so again, a lot of promise. The the Vegas Knights unveiled their Stanley. You know, celebrated their Stanley Cup. So a lot of uh, excitement around the NHL season. You got Bedard. You got uh, Sidney Crosby still around. You got the Lightning. You got Vegas. You got a lot of a lot of intrigue around the league. Uh, so the NHL season has kicked off in full swing. So we will uh, start that uh, run, that long run to the playoffs, which usually starts in April. Um, I am not a huge keeping up with the NHL day to day person. Uh, obviously, I'll keep up with the Lightning a little bit, but uh, as far as watching games, I don't make that appointment television to watch a whole lot of regular season hockey. But I will obviously come playoff time, a big playoff uh, hockey guy. love watching the playoff stuff. But uh, NHL season, it's a ton of games. Give those guys credit. They don't sit out. They don't don't load manage. They don't do all that stuff. So full respect for the uh, guys in the NHL as their season kicks off. Uh, Major League Baseball playoffs in full swing. NLCS, ALCS, three out of the four spots have been determined. Arizona sweeps the Dodgers. In a very surprising uh, sweep there out in Arizona, so good for them. Uh, the Dodgers kind of just didn't have the pitching. You know, they, first of all, they didn't hit very well. I watched a couple of those games; they could not get a clutch hit when they needed it. Betts, Freeman, n- not a great lineup outside of Betts and Freeman, to be honest with you. But to give Arizona full credit. Up and coming, the pitching—they uh, sweep the Dodgers for one spot. The other spot is still up in the air between the Braves and the. Uh, Phillies, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. Uh, when this is being recorded, Philly is up two games to one, heading to game four on Thursday night. Um, so, again, must-win situation for the Braves the next two. Um, and so Philly Philly just keeps, uh, keeps doing it. Bryce Harper has been on fire as well. <clears throat> so it will be very interesting to see what happens in game four with Spencer Strider versus Suarez for the Phillies then you could have a Wheeler and Freed matchup in Game 5, potentially. So we'll see what happens in the National League. American League's all set. Battle of Texas. Bochy and the Rangers, they sweep the Baltimore Orioles three games to none. Uh, Bochy, uh, what what a, what a job he's he's done in, in Texas in year one over there. Uh, they sweep Baltimore. Bal- uh, Texas is five and zero in the playoffs. Remember they swept the Rays in the wild card round. Go straight to Baltimore. Win win two in Baltimore and come back and finish off the Orioles in uh, game three to, to get to advance to the ALCS. A um, lot of offense in Texas. Uh, just enough pitching, uh, you worry about the pitching staff, but they—they uh, they, they, when they got the kind of offense they have, when they can score seven, eight runs uh, in a game, uh, you don't, the pitching doesn't have to be fantastic, it just has to be good enough, and it, so far it's been good enough, and they will see their cross-state rivals, the Houston Astros, who, who dispose of the Minnesota Twins in, th- in four games, actually, uh, won, a, won, a, won a two close games in Minnesota, Um, Jordan Alvarez, Abreu's pitching or hitting the ball, Bregman, you got Verlander, so Dusty and the Astros are trying to go uh, um, back to the World Series yet again, apparently Houston has been seven straight American League Championship Series, which is incredible to think of, seven in a row for the Astros. I would make the Astros a slight favorite, not much, but a slight favorite. They'll have home field. Remember, this will be best of seven in Houston for games one and two. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see how the All Texas uh, ALCS goes. If you're Fox, um, you know, obviously you don't love Arizona being in it, but but uh, you know, probably from a TV perspective, you'd probably have rather have Philadelphia than Atlanta, but. We will see what happens with uh, with with that, how that goes. So, uh, there's your uh, Major League Baseball update. Um, still, no a uh, lot of speculation of maybe what is Kevin Cash's future. Will there be any other managerial moves uh, as we move through the next couple of weeks? So, as you can see, sounds like the Yankees had their big powwow uh, amongst management, and that there will be some change, either changes, uh, major changes on the roster. I would anticipate next year. So be interesting to see what the Yankees end up, uh, what direction they end up going. Will they keep Boone and Cashman? Sounds like they probably will, but you never know. Uh, what will the Mets, uh, who will the Mets hire? Will they hire, uh, remember they hired a new president, David Stearns, who came from Milwaukee. Um, will, is Joe Madden potentially in the mix? Uh, his name is surface that he's, he's interested in maybe getting back in, in as a, managerial man, managing where it will, will Buck Showalter end up somewhere um, what will those you got, you got some open you got, California, you got the Anaheim Angels open you got the Mets open you got Cleveland still open so what will happen with those three spots so we will see college football from last week what a what a game we had the, in the Red River rivalry Oklahoma Beach Texas scores in the last 15 seconds to win to go to, to stay undefeated it's a, a tremendous game there a very wild back and forth flow of emotions and up and down swings of, of uh, momentum. Um, Lincoln Riley survived in advance out in USC. Uh, did not like his game management. How he handled the end of the re- end of regulation. He got very fortunate. How he handled that. Did not center the ball for the game winning field goal, which ended up getting blocked. Uh, very very fortunate to sur- sur- to survive overtime. And then you have the Mario Cristobal debacle uh, in Miami, uh, up twenty to seventeen. All you have to do is kneel the ball out, and the game's over. You're a top fifteen team in the country. You're undefeated. Um, you have two monster games coming up here in the next two weeks. North at North Carolina and hosting Clemson. What are you screwing around? What are you doing? Screwing around with with the game? Uh, you didn't play great. You outgained them left and right, but you turned the ball over a bunch. But you had the lead. The game was over. Kneel the freaking ball out. Um, You know, there's there's some uh, speculation that he was trying to get one of his his running back over 100 yards because he had 99 yards and all that crap. Please. Such a disastrous move there by Mario. Not his first time. Again, we're going to talk to Coach Levitt. He's going to tell a couple of great stories about um, Coach Cristobal and, 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 and what happened prior to uh, and all that, and to give his coaching opinion on the whole situation. So stay tuned for that. But it's a disgraceful. It's a disgrace. It's 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 coaching malpractice is what it is. It's it's almost almost. Uh, you wonder why uh, you know guys get called incompetent. You wonder why guys get ripped left and right. Social media decisions like this are why. We, when you put yourself in a, in a situation like this, you 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 deserve every single bit of the uh, of the smoke that you're gonna get. After a decision like that, get out of the game, move on to the next game, uh, and, and do your thing. So uh, we'll have we'll have more on Mario with Coach Levitt. Coach Levitt will again will expound on the college football season through seven through uh, six weeks so far, and all that stuff. Um, NFL again we're we're at about the you know thir- about the third a third poll of the season. Several teams having buys. you got the Cowboys getting crushed by the 49ers last week. What what does that mean for the Cowboys? I cl- it clearly means the 49ers and the Eagles are probably the two best teams in football uh, right now. Uh, will be a tremendous battle in the NFC. Are the Cowboys legit is Dak Prescott. Is this guy just a good quarterback and can never be great? We will see. That, that loss was not on Dak Prescott, but uh, he did not play very well in the game as well. So... Um, you had the disaster in, in, in Pittsburgh. How, how Baltimore lost that game to Pittsburgh last week, I will never know. Um, but they did in a classic Pittsburgh-Baltimore rivalry. You had Lamar. You had uh, just turnovers. You had T.J. Uh, Watt do- dominating the game late in the game. So, uh, somehow the Steelers are 3-2. and two. You got Kansas City and Denver on, on Thursday night tonight. Uh, won't be a great game. You obviously had Denver and the Jets last week with the – uh, Nathaniel Hackett situation from over the summer. The Jets get it done uh, over uh, the Denver Broncos who are in free fall at 1-4. Uh, ex- expect the Denver Broncos to be very active at the trade deadline. They're going to be unloading some o- older guys. The Cortland Suttons of the world. Frank Clark. Jerry Judy. Um, get potentially a guy like Justin Simmons. One of their, their good players. I don't think they'll trade Sertan. They should not do that. But there'll be, a, there'll be some moves coming out of Denver as far as accumulating some draft capital. Because remember, they got pillaged in the Russell Wilson trade as far as draft capital and such. So um, I think you'll see Sean Payton uh, unload some salary, unload some veterans. They're not going to be winning this year, but we will see what uh, happens further uh, along in Denver. A couple big matchups this week. You got probably one of the bigger matchups you're going to have is Tampa and Detroit. Sunday afternoon down here in Raymond James, four o'clock. We're going to see if the Bucks are for real. We we think the the Lions are for real. Buck coming off a bye week. Uh, they will be wearing their creamsicle jerseys. So go check out No Quarter Given podcast if you want a little in depth in depth preview of this game. Peter Blake and I will do that for you on the No Quarter Given podcast. But again, this will be a good game. Good measuring stick for the Buccaneers where are they at coming out of the bye. You have the. Um, you have the, the, the Bill Belichick-Josh McDaniels reunion out in Las Vegas. First time I think they've played uh, each other. I don't, I don't think they've played last year since McDaniels became the, the head coach again. you got an interesting game, Seattle and Cincinnati. You have uh, the free fall of the Vikings. Remember, uh, Justin Jefferson out at least a month, probably going to be longer than that. Will the Vikings potentially trade Kirk Cousins? I've told you on this podcast for five weeks now. The Vikings ought to trade Kirk Cousins, and the Jets ought to be front and, front and center in that. Uh, another team to be aware of that potentially could trade if things don't keep going getting better is the Atlanta Falcons. They need a quarterback. They got a pretty decent team. Could, wouldn't be shocked if the Falcons traded for Kirk Cousins. Remember, Cousins in the last year of his contract. All indications are Minnesota's not going to re-sign him. You're already 1-4. No Justin Jefferson. Why wouldn't you trade him if you're the Minnesota Vikings? Um, get some get some draft capital. You could probably get a second-round draft pick for him uh, and eat some of the salary. But why wouldn't you trade Kirk Cousins if you have the opportunity? Um, let's see here. You got the Deshaun Watson saga going on. What's going on with Watson and his shoulder? They got the 49ers coming to town. Be interested to see what happens there. And you obviously have Anthony Richardson and company. He's going to be out probably six to eight weeks with a shoulder problem. Gardner Minshew in the lineup going to Jacksonville uh, to play the Jags as well. So there's some storylines for you in the NFL. And before last thing, before we get to coaches, Coach Levitt, we're gonna I'm going to give you my three picks for the weekend. Three picks that I like versus the number. Let's go in the NFL. I like Tampa Bay plus 3.5 at home. I think 3.5 is too much. I, even if the Bucks don't win the game, I think this game goes down to the wire. I like the 3.5. So give me Tampa plus the 3.5. College football. I like Kentucky at home minus 2.5 or three points against Missouri. Kentucky got thoroughly beaten last week by Georgia. Missouri is, uh, got beat by LSU last week. Uh, in a wild shootout in Lexington this week, I think Kentucky with the defense, with Stoops, uh, the rebound effect here after Georgia. I like Kentucky minus two and a half or three against uh, Missouri is would be my second pick, and my third pick is gonna be I'm gonna take um, I'm gonna take South Carolina minus two against the Gators. The Game's in Columbia. Um, the Gators are still kind of in in, in that seeking seeking figure it out stage. Oh, the one thing I forgot to mention: kind of the the game of the week in college football is going to be out in the Pac-12. Oregon Washington showdown in Seattle. You got undefeated Oregon, undefeated Washington. Those two schools cannot stand each other. It is kind of a very undervalued rivalry out out west for sure and nationally. But you got Penix against Bo Nix, two undefeated teams, high flying offenses. Which team can play enough defense? I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Washington to win the game there. I think Washington's gonna figure out a way to win the game there. Um, they will not be part of the, the best picks, even though it's only a three point game. So if I think they're gonna win, you might as well take them. But uh, you know what? I'm gonna take Washington. Give me Washington minus the three uh, for your for your picks this week. I do think Washington's gonna win the game. Um, I will take Washington minus the three. Bucks plus three and a half. Kentucky. Minus two and a half, and I'll give you a bonus pick. I'll take South Carolina minus the two against Florida this week. So there are your picks. If you are out going to games, whether it's a college game, pro game, if you're in a major league baseball market, hockey market, and you're looking for tickets, Ticketsmarter.com is the place to go on the secondary market to buy your tickets. Ticketsmarter.com. you can go to the website. They have a mobile app you can use. Again, if you're looking for tickets, I don't care what event it is, sporting event, concerts, ticketsmarter.com is the place to go. You can use the code POWERS10. You can get $10 off of a purchase of $100 or more with with the code POWERS10. Or you can use the code POWERS20 if you end up spending more than $300 on tickets for an event uh, sport. Again, whether it's Major League Baseball, whether it's ALCSs hockey, college huge college football games anywhere in the country, NFL. You can use the codes as many times as you want during the football season as well. Powers 10 for 10 bucks off of a uh, 100 or powers 20 for $20 off of a $300 purchase. TicketSmarter.com is the place to go and use the TicketSmarter. the TicketSmarter app as well. So, all right. Coach Levitt coming up here in just a minute or so. Enjoy the Powers on Sports podcast. Appreciate you finding us. Tell a friend about the podcast. Uh, and also, uh, if you want to see the video interview, go to Jason Powers Sports channel on YouTube. And now a word from Titan Home Lending. Are you in the market to purchase your first time home, relocate to the state of Florida, or just purchase that second home or investment property? Well, if so, Titan Home Lending can help you get financing for that new home purchase. Reach out to Jason Powers, 205-790-1404 and I can help you get pre-approved in less than one day. A pre-approval is critical in order to make that offer on your home. You wanna know how much of a home you can make an offer on and getting a pre-approval will allow you to do that. From an fha va conventional loan jumbo loan bank statement loans there are numerous loan options out there to help you get into your house of your dreams you can also renovate you can do a renovation loan which will allow you to make home improvements and finance the costs into the loan so reach out to titan home lending anywhere in the state of florida for your next home purchase Two zero five seven nine zero one four zero four. All right, welcome back to the podcast. Appreciate you finding us. All right, it is Coach Jim Levitt time again. Those of you that, that listen to the podcast last year know we had on Coach Levitt uh, very regularly last year, and he is back with us again this year. Coach, uh, Coach Levitt, former USF head coach, all time winning as coach. In school history, uh, has worked all over the country at a bunch of different places over his career, and uh, he is here to give us about uh, our, our mid midpoint season of the college football review. <laughs> it's amazing to think we're already at the midpoint, coach. And uh, we had a pretty wild weekend over the. We had a pretty wild weekend in the college football world.
1: You know, I. You know, it's um. Yeah, it's really remarkable. You know, we've gone through all these conferences moving, you know, all these Pac-12 teams moving into the Big Ten and moving into the ACC and then possibly, you know, then the transfer portal and uh, the uh, NIL. And you just wondered what was going to happen with college football. And it's probably as exciting
0: as it's
1: ever been. And I think probably because all the quarterbacks, there's so many great quarterbacks out there. And, you know, you, you know, sometimes you'll have about four teams. You think you can be the last four teams. I mean, there's legit probably 12 teams that, that um could make a run at it. I mean, Louisville, you know, ends up beating Notre Dame and, you know, how can Notre Dame go through the Ohio state? And then they, you know, I mean, what, what they've had to do uh, in the last number of games. And right. I mean, we could just go all over the place. There's just so many things happening. And then, then, then Mario Cristobal doesn't take a knee in the Miami game? We're going mean, to save that. Serious? We're, we're going to get to that. <laughs> Jeez. Well, I'll let you lead into anything you want to go, where you want to go. But keep yeah. me back with you.
0: Yeah, Coach. Let's, talk, let's start with the overall sense of the non – it doesn't seem to me that there's, there's a dominant team this year, like you mentioned. There's probably 10 to 12 teams that you can make a legit argument that could win it, whereas in previous years – it was three or four, probably at best. Uh, it, uh, what do you get the sense of what that's from? It to me it sounds like maybe some trans transfer portal stuff. There's more good quarterback play. Just talk to me about the non. I think it's good for the sport that there's more teams that are in it. What do you? What are your thoughts on that? You know, a lot, a lot of games. You know, when
1: you're when you're watching football on Saturday, it's you know I'm I'm constantly moving from one game to another. Uh, you know, of course, I never was in this position because I was always coaching. But um, I think it. I think it's. Uh, I mean, I don't think there's ever been a time there've been more people watching college football than now. I mean, it's 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 remarkable. But uh, Georgia made a statement for being the one dominant team.
0: They did And
1: what they did to Kentucky. I mean, because Kentucky wins, you know, beat Florida, and then I mean, Georgia <clears throat> just decided to rise up. You know, all the talk was, oh God, what's going to happen to Georgia? We're not beating people like we used to. They're kind of in a funk. You don't see the passion. You know, all the Georgia fans are going crazy. And then I think Georgia just decided to be Georgia. And uh, they just put it on. A very good Kentucky team.
0: Yes, yeah, so, and a guy you know well, Coach Stoops of <laughs> Kentucky, a guy you know, and, uh, you know, not, and they had a good team. They've got a, good, they've got a really good team, and they just got manhandled in Athens over the weekend.
1: Well, they ran the ball on Florida. They physically put it on Florida. And then Georgia just, I mean, it wasn't even a game. (laughs) The way Georgia Georgia took apart Kentucky, uh, that was the quarterback. Quarterback for Georgia made a statement also. He's getting better
0: and better every week. He's getting better and better.
1: Yeah, he had a great game. He did really, really well.
0: And when you have a when you have an all when you have a weapon like they have in Brock Bowers at tight end that can do so many things for a defensive coordinator like yourself, so hard to defend, huh?
1: Well, you know, it's hard to you're you're right. Because they have so many weapons. They have so many ways they can move the ball. And you know, when you look across the country, it's it's you know, it's a lot lot tougher on defense coordinators, I think, in college than in the NFL. <laughs> I mean, the NFL, uh, you know, you don't I mean, I was in the NFL for four years uh, and we had the, one of the top defenses in the NFL, top three, all four years. Uh, and, but, you know, you see a lot of the same things, you know, you're not going to see the option game. You know, you're, you're starting to see a little bit of quarterbacks running a little bit more, you know, like even, you know, Baker Mayfield with the Bucks is getting out there and they'll run right. it and a couple other guys will run it, but they don't have the option game, you know, like you and, and mixed in with everything else. It's just, it's a different game. It's tough. It's tough to slow down these offenses. want
0: we'll to talk about another guy that I know you know that's had a resurgent year and probably was the game of the weekend, the Red River rivalry, that Oklahoma-Texas game was unbelievable. What a finish. Oklahoma scores in the last 20 seconds. And your guy, Brett, Brett, uh, Brett Venables, a uh, huge win in Oklahoma for him in a, in a great game, and now they're right there in the mix. They're another team that nobody right. thought would be in it. And all of a sudden, now they're six and zero. Uh, and your thought on the on, on Coach Venables and the the turnaround he's had at Oklahoma?
1: Well, at the beginning of the year, I I told everybody you better watch out for Oklahoma, and I'm not just saying it because now they're you know in fifth in the country, undefeated. But I saw what was happening in the recruiting, and Brent was really, really um, bringing in some great players. And uh, besides that, he's he's Brent is just very relentless. He He's been at Oklahoma when they won a national championship. He's been at Clemson winning a national championship, and he knows what it takes. And he's very relentless as a coach in a lot of ways, and he cares a great deal for the players. He's very trusting. And, you know, so there's a lot of things there that uh, – and Oklahoma, you know, the standard is very high. Uh, but what a great game. I mean, the quarterback at Oklahoma. Now the they're, they're next – I don't know if his next game or I think Central Florida might have an off week. But then, it, then Central Florida goes to uh, Oklahoma. And uh, you've got the quarterback that was at Central Florida, now at Oklahoma. That's right. talk about a tall order for UCF. But Oklahoma's okay. got it going. They're playing some defense, you know. Uh, you know, they didn't play as good as defense last year. They are now. And, Grant's, you know, got very involved in the defense, I imagine, more than ever. And, uh, when well, they got a chance to,
0: you know, they got a chance to do some great things. And the great thing is we'll probably hopefully we'll get to see that matchup again in the Big 12 title game. You could have a rematch of Texas, Oklahoma, and hopefully it's a one loss Texas and maybe an undefeated Oklahoma. That would be a uh, tremendous, basically, elimination playoff game there in the conference title game.
1: Well, you know, everybody's talking about that, and and they put up their schedules. I I don't think both teams will run through the rest of the year and not lose. I just don't, you know. Kansas State's still a very good football team. Right. you are going to watch out for those guys. And um, and there's, you know, Texas got to play. I think it might be at Texas Tech, you know, and that's not going to be easy. I mean, there's, there's some teams that could rise up and uh, beat one of these teams. And I know that both Sark and Brent will tell their teams, you cannot – everybody's going to talk about the rematch. You know, I'm sure that Sark was talking about, hey, we need to go undefeated so we have a chance at these guys again. Uh, but put that to rest. Focus on the next game and uh and and and, and stay away from those kind of distractions because that's what'll that's what'll hurt you, you know. But yeah, it was such a great game. Everybody would love to see that rematch again. Uh yeah. so we'll see, see what happens.
0: No doubt, no doubt. Let's go out west, a conference you know pretty well here recently, uh, the Pac-12. Obviously, the last year, of the Pac-12. USC with a near miss against Arizona. What a game that was in triple overtime. Um, you know, uh, give all the credit to Arizona, we jumped out to the early lead, came back and tied the game late and had an opportunity in overtime, and then he got washed in Oregon they got the showdown this weekend up in Seattle. You got Michael Penix up at Washington. You got Oregon with uh, Bo Nix and company. Just talk about the strength of the Pac-12 this year. What a conference they've been so far.
1: Well, you know, even Colorado, you, you had eight teams that were in the top 20, 25, uh, you know, and everybody was saying the Pac-12 didn't play anybody uh, early. But you, what a great conference. And the two teams that are without a home, Oregon state and Washington state are, right. And Washington state gets beat by UCLA, but UCLA is a very good football team. Right. And, uh, if, if they don't lose that game, you're looking at, you know, two top 15 teams that are, don't have a home. I mean, it's unbelievable. Uh, you know, it's just, it's crazy. It was a great conference. I coached in that conference for four years, loved it. I, I absolutely enjoyed going to all the different venues that we went to and, uh, I had a lot of fun in that conference. And of course we won the, uh, you know, we, we played Washington championship game when I was at Colorado, we won 10 that year. And then, uh, at Oregon, the last year I was there, we won nine. And, um, you know, just, just, uh, I don't know, Oregon, Bo Nix, uh, I just think Oregon's the team to beat. I think they're that good. I think they're the, the best team in the league. And I think their head coach has done a great job, uh, you know, and, uh, it's just just um you know i don't know there's a lot of good football teams and they're all playing each other now and uh usc's got a tough tough schedule ahead i mean they really do and they're you know they're not playing good enough defense you know, everybody knows that right now and you know they've got if if they don't get that defense going there's somebody's going to beat them
0: and you, knock them out and when you look at usc's defense Obviously, we know USC's got players. Is it schematics? Is it effort? What do you What do you see out of that defense that's really le- making them where they labor virtually every week against a decent opponent?
1: Well, you know, I haven't I haven't watched them enough to give a. You know, I know their defense coordinator very well, and we met together uh, when he was a defense coordinator at Washington State. Uh, I was at Colorado. And we and we got over 600 yards on on that defense, and the way we did it was just ran the ball. We ran the ball on them and they slant so much. Uh they don't step with their linemen. They step with their linemen, and they just slant all the way. Where I always used to step and try to stay stout so I can come back on down blocks. What happens is, you know, sometimes you catch those guys and they're in their when they're slanting and you can move them right out of gaps. And uh, but they've had a lot of success too in, in at different times. But um, you know, I think people have probably just you know, they might not be as strong on that defensive side. I don't know. Right. Uh, people probably, you know, he's been in that Pac-12 for a while. People could kind of get an idea of what you do and, you know, kind of scheme scheme up some things. You know, it's just like when I was in Colorado, then I went to Oregon. He's going to Washington State, USC. Uh, you know, you're still in the Pac-12. Uh, people know what you're doing. And it happened to me too when I went to Oregon. I, You know, people knew kind of what I was going to do because I was doing the same things I did at Colorado. You know, and and you had to change up some things. So, you know, I'm not sure, but they got they got to they got to play better.
0: How hard is it if you're not having success, maybe the first half of the year? How hard is it to kind of go 180 degrees in a different direction to try to make some schematic changes? Uh, obviously, the personnel is the personnel who you have. How how hard is it midseason to kind of change course and and throw in three or four new wrinkles on the on a defensive scheme?
1: I think it's very difficult because like you said, you've got the same personnel and you're developing your scheme around the people that you have. How strong are you at corner? How strong are your safeties? How good is your defensive line? You know, um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of variables that uh, you know, that you've spent all summer and all spring on uh, as you go into the season. And I know sometimes you get injuries. So you have to kind of maybe run some more zone as opposed to man. Uh, you might not be able to load up the box as much. You might have to, you know, try to be as unpredictable as you can uh, with trying to predict what they do by formation, right? You know, because you know a lot of times your defensive calls are going to be by by the personnel they have on the field and they down distance uh, where you're at on the field and uh, in the formations that they're going to give you. I mean, all those things are important, and to change all that up and to do some different things, uh, you got to try. You got to try to lean on one thing or another more than what you maybe did uh, because you can't just sit there and continue to take it, you know, so, but it's hard. It's very difficult.
0: Give the fans an idea of the difference that, that it from a, but play calling and calling defensive perspective of the width of the hash marks in college versus the width of the hash marks in the NFL, much smaller hash marks. As far as width in the NFL, it's much more centered where college you have very wide hash marks, left hash, right hash. Talk to the fans about how that affects how you call defense and different calls.
1: Well, you just have so much of a wider field, you know, in, in college. I don't like it. You know, and I don't, and I still to this day, don't understand you know, so many things in college they've they have changed because of NFL. Well, why wouldn't they change the hash marks as well? Right. I, I do not understand why they the hash marks. I don't know if it's money or what. <laughs> you know, to the paint hash marks. But what I don't like in college is I didn't. Everybody says, well, you got a short side of the field so you can bring pressure from your corners a lot easier than the NFL. Well, that's true. But you got such a wide field. And if you then the quarterbacks today in the college, they can they can they can make those throws, right? And to me, I don't I didn't like it, I thought it was a disadvantage. Uh, but I'd come out of NFL, went back to college and for a number of years, and so I was used to the hash marks being closer and and you know, calling calling defenses that way. Uh, so I didn't like it, but you have that wide field, you have a lot more room. Now people can also put a lot of people into the boundary. And you've got to make a decision. Do I, you know, if you have three receivers into the boundary, that's what makes it kind of a challenge because now what do you do Do you? You, you, you bring everybody into the boundary and now all of a sudden they have one wide receiver to the field and they've got, you know, if he's that great a receiver, you know, what do you do? Do you just lock it, lock it on, lock somebody on him? Or do you put two people out there, which makes you a little thinner into the boundary and people that put a lot of, a lot of, you know, load, load the boundary, can cause you problems, you know, with the run game and the pass game.
0: All right, let's get to the state of Florida. We got we got a lot, of, three or four good storylines in the state of Florida over the weekend. Uh, let's before we get to Mario, which we'll save that for the end. Let's go to Florida State first. They just keep ho humming along. They're not playing great, in my opinion. They're playing good enough. Do you, what do you see out of Florida State? They're, they're again, they're winning games, but they're not. They're not convincing. It doesn't seem like um, after that LSU game. Give me your thoughts on Florida State through six weeks. Well, i I don't know if
1: I agree totally with you. I think they um they had a really good game. You <clears throat> know, good win last week. Okay, they got so many weapons. They're playing pretty solid defense. The quarterback, you know, handles the ball well. You don't see a lot of you don't see him making a lot of mistakes. Uh, <clears throat> I think Florida State is playing really good football, okay. and I think they're clearly the best team in Florida by far uh and they've got a lot of momentum they got confidence they've they've done a great job i i'm impressed you know i i've watched them you know of course i've I'm always going around different games i've watched them probably not as much as i need to uh but i've watched them enough to see their skill uh to see their quarterback you know just handle the ball well and right. playing good enough defense you know to make it all go and their schedule's not all that you know all that tough. LSU uh, has shown that they don't have as good of a defense as I thought they would early in the year. Right. But their offense is so explosive. Um, and um,
0: Clemson, you know, obviously, Clemson's down a little bit, it seems like.
1: Yeah, they are. They're not the same Clemson team they've had before, but look who they've lost. They've lost Brent Venables. Right. They've lost right. some really good coordinators, you know, and I don't know if they're recruiting at the high level they, they were. And um, when you lose uh, you know, the job that Brent Venables did at Clemson was extraordinary, you know, and um, you know, you lose somewhere like that. That's hard. You know, how, how do you replace it? That guy, you know, so, um, but I think Florida state, you know, they've got a few games that they'll, you know, they got to continue to play well, certainly, but man, they've got a chance to,
0: Oh yeah. They're, they're in the driver's you know, to, seat. To now. run
1: the table. They really are, you know, so I, I think they've done well. I, you know, I know they had what was it, Boston College? They, right. they probably should could have lost that game. And that's the one people probably point to. Of Boston College, I thought I watched, a, a, you know, enough of that game to see Boston College came to play and they played off. They're physical and, um, you know, did a great job uh, against Florida State. So, you know, sometimes it's a matchup. So, what offenses and defenses, are, you know, the problems uh-huh. they give you. Yeah. Uh, and it might even be a team that, doesn't win as many games, but four states impressive. I I I think they're clearly the better
0: team uh, in the state of Florida. What do you, what do you see out of uh, UCF and Florida? Both kind of you know both are kind of in transition years. UCF new to the Big Twelve, year two for Billy Napier, still trying to get his guys and his all his things in place in Gainesville. What do you see out of uh, the Gators and the Knights?
1: Well, Florida is just um, man Kentucky just put it on them. Yeah. They physically beat the heck out of them, and so do Utah. You know, and and I think Florida has got to get the running game. They got to get that the ball to. The, they got two, one great running back. They got two really good running backs, right. and somehow they got to find a way to uh, take take as much pressure off the quarterback as they can. You know, he's he's okay, but he's not. Uh, I don't know if he's gonna, ever going to take him to the promised land, like uh, you know, like Urban Meyer had Tebow. Right, you know, it's a different deal. Right, and um, they've got to, uh, they they've got to get the get the ball in the running back's hands. I think and. And then they're not playing as good a defense as you would expect. I, you know, I've been, I haven't been impressed with Florida. And I know, the, I know I, I'm around a lot of Gators <laughs> and uh, none of them are, none of them are happy, you know, and, and the standard is the standard at Florida and Napier came in and uh, you know, he's, he's got work to do and he's got to do it in a hurry. He doesn't have a lot, you don't have a lot of time you know, so we'll have to see how Florida does the rest of the year, but man, they could lose, they could lose two or three more games. Oh, yeah. I could see that and that ain't going to, that ain't going to be good for them. They got, their schedule's tough. You know what they got ahead. Central Florida, I made this point uh, comparing South Florida and Central Florida. You know, I I thought, of course, South Florida just got whooped bad by UAB and I that surprised me. It really did. I thought they would, I thought they would beat them. I thought, you know, UAB, I know, it had a tough schedule early, but they're 1-4, but UAB's got a real tough schedule the rest of the way out. I don't, I don't see UAB winning that many games, and um, um, you know, South Florida had a little bit of momentum. Navy's not very good this year. Of course, Navy fires Ken, Coach Ken, and what right. a mistake that was, I thought. Right. I mean, right. what a great job he had done, and AD sometimes want their own guy, and uh, I mean, I I don't... I watched Navy. I watched the South Florida Navy game. I didn't think Navy was all that good, and Rice lost their quarterback. My point is this. South Florida could have had, could have a better overall record than Central Florida, but they're making $30 million less. Right? <laughs> you know, I mean, you you talk about how important and how big of a deal was to get into the Big 12 and hats off to the administration of Central Florida and to their staff and to what they've done. Right. I mean, here we were, you know, when I, you know not to, <clears throat> I'm not saying I was all this or that because I wasn't. And I, I know that. Uh, but we were 4-0 against Central Florida. Right. There is no reason for Central Florida to move by South Florida and get into the Big 12 over South Florida. We drew 53,000 my last year uh, at South Florida. The year before, 51,000. You know, the Bucks weren't as strong then they drew 38,000. How do you go from that position and then Central Florida get into the Big 12 and not South Florida? It's obvious there's some real mistakes made. And, and it's sad because... Like I said, it's at least a $30 million a year difference. When you look at not only the television money, but everything that goes along with it, right? you know, your advertising your, I mean, you could go on and on about it. And then, but, but I also said central Florida has never been in a, uh, the old days BCS conference or uh, in a conference like this. Mm-hmm. They never have.
0: The, jump, know, so the you know, transition from where, from where they were to where they're going just on the field with personnel and recruiting budgets and all the different things that go into running a program are enormous, correct?
1: Oh, it is. And of course we were in the big East and, you know, we were playing Pittsburgh and playing Louisville and, and playing uh, Rutgers, Syracuse, yeah. uh, West Virginia. You know, we had to go through that fairly early in our career right? at South right. Florida. And it, and it wasn't easy making those trips you know, up to, and even UConn was very strong then, uh, making those trips up to Pittsburgh. Then the next week, flying up to Rutgers, and the next week, flying up to Syracuse, or you know, however, those are not easy trips for Central Florida now to fly to Kansas. You know, uh, after they just got beat pretty bad by I think it was Texas, Oklahoma, Texas beat them, and, and Texas, Texas. Rather. Them back, Texas yeah. That's right, that's right, because they still got Oklahoma to play. Um, and then, um, you know, and then Baylor comes into their home. And comes back like that, which was crazy. I don't, in 10 minutes to go, uh, you're up by 28. I don't know why you're not running four minute offense right there. Right. right. Uh, Because these offensive coaches all want, you know, they, oh, well, you know, we want the numbers and all this stuff. And instead of winning the game, they had the game won. If they would have just used the clock, I mean, I saw the clock with 20 seconds sometimes going, snapping the ball. And I'm sitting there going, why? Right. It just made, I always got irritated by that. Uh, But, the um, you know, we talked about Florida, Central Florida. Now, you know, and I know all the Central Florida people were really mad at me because, you know, on a radio show that I do, they, they um, you know, they buried me because you know a little, a few guys did because I was saying how South Florida could have a better record than Central Florida because of the schedule, all about the schedule, and it's true. I mean, you look at who UCF now; their next game is at Oklahoma. You know, they're not uh, winning that
0: game. They're not winning that game.
1: Uh, not not when they're going against Gabriel, who, no. who came from Central Florida to Oklahoma, right? You know, and uh, so now now Central Florida, you know, yes, they're in the Big Twelve, which is a great deal for them. Uh, you, you know, I mean, what a, what a neat deal! But you better realize that it is different, and I and their head coach knows it. Their head coach is shoot, Look what he's done. He's yes. got a great resume. Yeah, and he's he's been in the SEC, and he he knows what it takes, uh, and he knows that. You know, he doesn't have a quarterback right now. The quarterback got hurt, tried right. to come in the last game, and that was tough. But uh Central Florida's got work cut out for him, and it may be a long haul before they they get to a position where they can, you know, really win. And and that's why I thought it was so exciting the first year when we were at South Florida, we went into the Big East. In fact, the year, you know, we went independent conference USA Big East three years, right? And it was fast. And I knew we probably weren't going to be ready for the Big East. And what I did was a year before, I registered five of the best players I had. Wow. And I figured the last year of Conference USA is not going to be near as important as the first year in the Big East. So we had that one season that we kind of didn't do as well. But the first year in the Big East, we went to a bowl game. Nice. And I thought that was a big deal. Yes. And, you know, we went to five, we went to five bowl games in a row in the big East in a, in a, in a, in a BCS conference, you know, that's, that's what I thought was pretty, pretty neat. Um, Now central Florida is going to try to get to bowl game. they have got three wins ain't going to be easy. You know, they should be able to get three more, but I don't know. It's right. going to be a, a real challenge for them. So, you know, it's, uh, it's very interesting to watch, you know, from my vantage point now and sure. not coaching right now, uh, you know, it's, um, it's easy to, you know, sit back and say this and that, but I know how hard it is for those guys. It's, it's, it's a real challenge. All
0: right, let's get to the last big topic. We've got to get to, let's get to the elephant in the room here. Twenty three twenty, late in the game. You're Miami. You've not played well against Georgia Tech, a team you should, you're a three touchdown favorite. You're undefeated. You haven't played well, but you're, you're, you've got the lead. The game is over. How in the world does somebody on that coaching staff, and, and number one's Mario, you ha- he's number one on the food chain? How does how does he allow the offensive coordinator or anybody to run a play there and not kneel down? No, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I,
1: I've been in coaching forty-two years, and the fact that not only did it in that game, but it's the second time he's done that. Right. You know, I was at Oregon when he was a head football coach, and I was a defense coordinator at Oregon. And we were playing Stanford and there was no reason whatsoever to run the ball. And he hands it off to a true freshman and they fumble. They get the ball around midfield. So they only needed about 20 yards, get a few goal to go to overtime. Well, they got it. They got momentum. I mean, our, the defensive players and It's and it's my fault for not, you know, making sure the defensive players aren't ready to go back out, but the game was over. Game's so over. All you got to do is, all you had to do is have Justin Herbert run around the backfield, you know, getting a shotgun, even if you want, and let him run around the backfield, take a knee, and probably would have been six or seven or eight seconds left in the game, punt it, and now they've got to go, you know, 80 yards, and they had one timeout with like six seconds left. (laughs) Well, you know, the odds are you're going to probably win that one. Well, no, he he hands the ball off, and – and I, I didn't fault the running back. Great running back, but he fumbles. They get the ball, goes downfield. And, you know, I even talked to Mario about that when I left. And I end up leaving because, you know, I, I know that I was on my way over to Florida State. Uh, and and I told, you know, we talked about Shoot, how can you not do that? And then here he gets to Miami, his alma mater. They had 23, something like 23 first downs compared to 12. Four hundred something yards total offense compared to two hundred
0: and something, but they still have a chance to win the game. Coach, it's math, coach. He, they can't lose. It's a math equation. There are yeah, there's 30 seconds cannot, left in the game. You can't lose. Yeah. Yeah. Take it take a knee. Why
1: he didn't do that is beyond beyond. I mean, I how how does the offensive right how now, does the
0: offensive coordinator not know? I mean, how does the offensive coordinator not call a just a victory play? How does the quarterback not just yes. say
1: hell with all of you?
0: Yes, Neil I'm catch the step and feel down. Yes. <laughs>
1: I'm take I'm taking a knee. And if you want to bury me, because your quarterback is a fifth-year guy. He's yes. done a great job. Uh and and just heck, you know, he he knows more than the coaches in that situation. But this is what's amazing to me. How, How is a head coach do you face your team after the game in the locker room? Correct. What I mean, these guys fight their ass off in the winter, in the spring. They, they work so hard to deliver. And I don't know if I could, as a head coach, I don't know how I could. Listen, I had a hard time when we were, we lost some close games, like up at Rutgers one time, up at UConn. There was about three or four games that I knew absolutely we didn't do a good enough job coaching. And I had to face the team after the game knowing that, and it it killed me. I, I can't tell you because if you, you, you love your players. Yeah, I mean, you really do. They give you everything. And to face your team like that is so hard. Now you have a situation where, I mean, there is – They don't clear. trust them. They don't trust them. You take, take a knee, game over, and move on, and you don't do it Is no, well, you asked me the question right at the beginning. How do you I don't understand it? I never will. I don't I don't get it. And um and and, you know, and and, and then and then this is what really kills me. They have a good defense coordinator. Here's my safeties coach at FAU. We were tenth in the nation in defense, right? With a very poor offense down that we ended up going to a bowl game, and but it was a remarkable. We gave up 12.3 points a game. And Lance Kidry is a good football coach you don't put him in that position. I mean, the momentum, they get the fumble. All of a sudden your defense has to run out there when you, your, your defensive players shouldn't, but you know, they're celebrating the win already. They're already going high five on the sidelines. They're not thinking they're ever going to have to come back on the field when they know a hundred out of a hundred times, you're going to take a knee. Right. So now they got to run on the field and the ball's in midfield. Now all they need is a fugal to take it overtime. Right. And, you know, so the calls you have to make to prevent the fugal, you know, so you don't want them to get what 10, 15 yards to get in fugal position. You put Lance Goodry in an impossible, very tough position. Now, Lance won't, he won't make any excuses. He'll say, yeah, we should have done better. And that's the way you should be. You got to find a way to go out there and, 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 you know, stop that when, when it just an absolute ridiculous mistake was made. And um, you know, it's tough.
0: It's just tough. But there's no excuse for that, you know. How, I, and, and, you know so hold, hold. Give me a sense. Give me a sense on the headsets. I mean, I don't, I, I'm sure the offensive staff are on one set of set of lines, and the defense. How is somebody on the offensive staff not screaming in the microphone on the headsets, Coach? What are we doing? Kneel the ball. How, I mean, give us a, a sense of how that communication happens during how, the game. How do you know they?
1: How do you know they didn't?
0: You're right. I don't.
1: You know. And then, and then, when you know, I heard Mario say, "Oh, I, I should have told the offensive coaches to take a knee." And in, in fact, that's just throwing them right under a bus.
0: No, that's Mario Cristobal. One thousand percent. That's Mario Cristobal's fault. Well, One thousand percent.
1: You you throw them under a. You just threw your offensive coordinator right under a bus. It was. Listen, that's your call. That's your deal. You're the head football coach. You right. you, you know. you you take a knee it's the easiest decision there is in life and everybody knows it and everybody's going to bury him for it you know and you know it's just the way it is but you know he deserves it i just hope for the sake of the players it doesn't hurt miami right and doesn't hurt their football team going forward
0: and the sick part is coach they were undefeated they had a chance It's not like they were 500 team or two and four team. This was a undefeated team, had Clemson and North Carolina in a chance to beat Florida State. This was a team that, are they national championship worthy? Probably not, but they had a chance to run the table to be in the college football playoff. Well, you know, they, they can't
1: lose another one now. So now the pressure's on them. They lose one more and they're certainly out. Uh, but, you know, they got bigger problems than that right now. They They just got to get their team back together. They got to hope that players don't in the locker room say, God, what, are you kidding me? You know, and, and you hope that, you know, the leaders stand up and say, listen, Uh, because you know, there's going to be a lot of talking away from the locker room or in the locker room and all that about, about how foolish and then everybody, all the fans and people like you and me, you know, we're going to bury it and, and, but that's what you do. And that's what you deserve when you do something like that. So You know, he's, you know, Mario will work very, very hard. He works very hard recruiting. I'm sure their staff, I mean, I think they're recruiting very well. You're you're Miami, for goodness sakes. You're the University of Miami. And, you know, has won as many national championships as pretty much most anybody, you know. And uh, the standard in Miami was very high. You know, Mario played there when they were very, very good. And, um, you know, hopefully this just won't, you know, you know, change things, you know, I mean, I don't know.
0: I just I mean, you hate yeah. Uh, I, and I'll say, cause I'm not a coach. That's just coaching malpractice and incompetence for somebody no. to allow that to happen in a game of that magnitude. It's just malpractice. Well, yeah. You know, and I don't know what happened. The
1: offense corner of course, it doesn't matter. Mario just say, take a knee and that's it. It's in a discussion. Yes. It's, and Mario's it's, not it's, calling it's,
0: plays either. His only job is to no. manage the game.
1: Right. No. He. Yeah. You're right. You're exactly right. And you know, it's. I don't know. You know, I could go on and be negative, but you know, you uh, move I, on in life. But it's gonna be. It's gonna be a tough deal, a tough pill to swallow, and 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 nobody'll ever forget it. You know. And, and, he, and he's the, not the, the thing only thing, one
0: screwing. He's not the only one screwing up this game management stuff. Lincoln Riley made his field goal kicker kick a field goal from the left hash mark. On Saturday night, they got blocked. Put the ball in the middle of the field. You have timeouts. You're setting up the game-winning field goal. Don't make the kid kick it from no. the left hash mark. Put the ball in the middle of the field. And let him kick an extra point and go home.
1: You know, I didn't see that because that was probably about 2 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> that was probably pretty late. But, uh, yeah, I didn't I didn't see that. But it's still – I mean, you know, you see coaches make make decisions. But the, the kneel down is still the ultimate. That's, and this is what kills me. That's why I said it. It's happened to him before. Yes. It happened to him when he was in Oregon. You would think that, I mean, and that was bad. It, it probably cost us the Rose Bowl that year. Yes. I mean, that was bad. But to do it again is
0: It's unconscionable. Beyond, it's unconscionable. Yeah,
1: to do it again. Saw so it. I don't know. I, I I don't know. Hopefully, Miami will rise up. They got their very talented team. They got a really good quarterback. I really like their quarterback a lot. Yeah. Uh, you know, he had a really off year last year, which I I I was shocked that they got beat like they got la- beat last year. But uh, I was surprised because I really like their quarterback. I think he's tough. I think he's a winner. He reminds me of the quarterback TCU had a yeah. year ago. You know, just tough and all that. Maybe I. Maybe I'm not reading him right. Maybe I don't know. But, yep. you know, you have a good quarterback. You you, you got a good defense. Your defense coordinator is good. And I don't know. I, I don't know. We, we probably got to get off
0: this topic. We'll cause, get cause off. Yeah, so. we'll get off. All right, Coach. Yeah. Well, thank you. For, <laughs> appreciate the time. You're wearing your sack Club T-shirt today. I like it. And, yeah, that's uh, right. That's right. Guys, so, I was there. Yep. Yeah. So, appreciate yeah. the time, Coach. We'll definitely check in as we get towards the end of the year, okay? All right. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate it. of the Powers on Sports podcast. Have a great week.